Welcome back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir. On this Wednesday afternoon, let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're catching up with Manal Matani, who is the CEO and founder of OCD and Anxiety Support Hong Kong. And we'll be hearing about the upcoming Mental Health Awareness Week and also the state of mental health in our city. Welcome back on the program, Manal. It's so lovely uh, to, to catch up with you again. How are you doing? Good, thank you, Noreen. It's really lovely to be back here on the radio and I'm excited to talk about what we have planned for this month and what's been happening with mental health in Hong Kong and across the globe. Yeah, it's definitely a, a topic, I'm sure, on, on, on everyone's minds. But before we get to that, can, can you remind our listeners the work that you do at OCD and Anxiety Support Hong Kong? Okay, so OCD and Anxiety Support Hong Kong um, became a registered charity in 2018. Before that, we operated as an NGO, and our goal is really to help sufferers of mental health disorders and their families, especially those with obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety disorders, and depression. And we do this by running monthly support group meetings for adults and teenagers, providing mental health education in various settings, um, responding to daily inquiries that have really increased um, because of the pandemic, giving people resources mm-hmm. about mental health. And also we're on our way to launching a counseling clinic to help those who are financially struggling to get the help that they need and deserve. Yeah, you mentioned just now, you know, it's uh, that the pandemic and with COVID, it's certainly not been an easy few years uh, in Hong Kong and, and really f- for the rest of the world. Um, what have you observed in terms terms of the, the, the state of uh, mental health in, in our city? Well, um, mental health has really deteriorated significantly in our city. A recent study was done that showed that 25% of Hong Kong people found their mental health decline since the pandemic began, which is really no wow. surprise. Um, anxiety has also really soared from 4.1% before the pandemic to 14% now, and depression going from 10.7% to 19.8%. I think at this time, COVID-19 has really turned our world upside down, and we are in uncharted waters. Um, there's so much uncertainty, unpredictability, lack of control at this time. And this brings up a lot of different emotions, unpleasant emotions like anxiety, depression, grief, sadness, frustration. I think people worry about contracting the disease and also their loved ones who may be far away from them. Um, lack of understanding about the efficacy of the vaccines and side effects, the huge impact that COVID-19 has had on us in terms of working from home and also school kids and teenagers who have had like online learning from their home as well, being away from school and having to adjust to like social restrictions and wearing a mask. It's become a whole new way of living and a new normal. And that brings about a lot of anxiety and questions that people have, you know, worrying about when life will return to normal. And will there be, will we ever go back to a time pre-COVID or, or is this our new normal and do we have to try and find a way through it? Yeah, absolutely. As you were mentioning all those points, those are sort of at some point during the pandemic, those are questions that have floated through my own mind and I'm sure for, for, for the minds of, of our many listeners. Um 
the, the word isolation sort of comes to mind. And, you know, I, I know, Manal, you work with um, a, a number of, of people from, from different age groups, you know, from young people to, to, to middle age to, to the elderly. Um, how has the pandemic sort of affected uh, different age groups? Perhaps let's start with the with, with the younger, uh, well, with the teenagers that perhaps you, you've worked with. You mentioned just now they are doing online schools so that they're not really able to interact with their peers. How does isolation or, or being socially distanced from their peers, uh, how has it affecting them? You know, it's definitely had a profound effect on the teenagers. I think when they're um, learning from home, they're in quite small, compact environments or spaces. <laughs> yeah, Hong Kong and, apartments are so small. And when the yes, parents are working from home as well, it's just this yes, space. Yes, I think it's, you know, it could be a number of siblings together sharing a room, um, all doing Zoom at the same time, and parents literally um, just even a feet or two feet away on work calls. And I think teenagers are just feeling very stuck. They're feeling trapped. Um, I think the way that they release and express their emotions, as you said, Noreen, is with their peers. They feel supported and they feel encouraged by them. And with social distancing, they're kept at home a lot. And I'm finding that while the, while they are at home, the stress and academic pressure has really increased. And we know that this is a big thing in Hong Kong already for students with, you know, parental pressure of, you know, you should be achieving this grade and you're not working hard enough. But when a child is at home all day, that pressure has really increased. And a lot of teens have reached out to us saying that it's really making them feel depressed and they have nowhere to go and nowhere to turn. And they've spoken to me from, you know, their cupboards or their storerooms because they don't want their parents to to hear about it. So I think it's really impacting the teenagers vastly and they want to learn coping skills on how to deal with the stress and anxiety and how to get through this really difficult period. Absolutely. Um, the elderly is another sort of um, uh, age group that I see really being affected. Um, you know, w- when you walk down to the parks and stuff, you usually it's filled with uh, old people sort of doing their Tai Chi. But because of social distancing, I remember at the sort of beginnings of, of the pandemic, it was a very quiet park. You know, uh, some, some of the elderly just w- would not do their normal activities and perhaps they're not being, perhaps their families aren't visiting them uh, as well. Have you heard any stories related to the elderly? You know, I think the elderly as well are feeling like they don't really have a good grasp on what's really happening. They were aware that COVID-19, you know, could be very deadly and there is a vaccine out that people can get but I think they feel very afraid of what that means. And not many of our elderly have been vaccinated, I think, because a lot of fear that they they have in Hong Kong. Um, I think this has impacted them because they don't they don't trust themselves being out. They feel that they're more prone and more susceptible to catching illness. And so they stay at home. And we know the elderly already suffer from, you know, mental health disorders like anxiety disorders and agoraphobia. And they fear sometimes going out into public spaces. And this is made even worse with COVID-19 because they just don't even, they don't know what the world is like out there. And they're scared to venture out Um, And it questions things for them and it brings that feeling of fear. 
Um, so I think it's been really hard on them as well. And like you said, with families coming to visit, I think there was there was a time where everybody was just staying in their cocoon and they had their own bubbles and people were scared to visit their grandparents or their parents if they were old in fear of passing on something. Yeah. Um, so how are people coping uh, or, or not coping from, from what you've seen? <laughs> um, well, I think... I think people right now are just trying to survive. I think yeah. people are surviving rather than thriving. Taking it and sort of pe- day in, day out, like day yeah, by day. Absolutely, moment by moment, trying to do what they can to just get through the day because they don't know what's going to happen in the next few hours. If there's going to be another outbreak, if schools are going to close, if policies at work are going to change, if they're going to find out new news about a new vaccine. They, so I think it's actually quite scary for people to have a plan about the future because people have planned and it hasn't turned out the way they expected. So I think right now people are just doing the best that they can. But I know in the workplace, it's been really hard. Over 83% of employees really feel like they're going to work despite struggling with poor mental health. And they've reported feelings of being tired, burned out, drained, really worried about childcare if they've got kids 10 years old and under. And employees as well find it really hard to take time off work in fear of being judged and actually asking for a mental health day because everybody's in the same boat right now. And they feel like even if they're suffering, they're not allowed to be suffering because everybody's going through a hard time, which is making their problems of anxiety, panic, fear just um, increase. Yeah, that's such a good point, Manal. And and it's true, it's in many sort of uh, cultures of companies or well, just places in general that people don't really have this awareness of a, of a mental health uh, day um, when people are sort of, well, mind you, even in Hong Kong, but before COVID, even when people had colds and, and fevers or coughs, they'd still go to work. But now I think yeah. the awareness has, has sort of heightened. Are you seeing a shift in that? You know, c- can you see companies and, and just managers and leaders being more compassionate and, you know, perhaps um, in, in the near future, people are able to take mental health days off? You know, I think there is a narrative around mental health now, as opposed to what it was six years ago when OCD and Anxiety Support Hong Kong brought World Mental Health Day um, to Hong Kong and shed a light on that and the Green Ribbon campaign. I think in the workplace now, employers are feeling like they need to do something to support their employees. So I've seen Um, a much bigger interest in having mental health workshops and seminars, incorporating things like yoga and mindfulness into the week, having well-being at work week where they're arranging um, social activities, obviously kind of in line with social distancing, trying to bring the workforce together because everybody feels like they've been working alone and to trying to bring that culture back. Um, I've been going to a lot of banks and legal firms recently trying to educate um, them about the early signs of mental health deterioration, what to look out for and how to support 
sufferers at work, how to actually have that conversation with people who you may think are struggling with their mental health. So yes, I do think there is a change. It's happening, it's happening slowly, but it's going in the right direction. That's good. And finally, um, we'd love to hear sort of what you have planned for the upcoming Mental Health Awareness Week. Yes, well, we're really trying this month to um, get the public involved and get them to think about what they can do to help unwind their mind during this time. We actually have an Unwind Your Mind campaign that we've launched this month where we're encouraging people to do things that help them to relax and turn off that stress response. And maybe take photos of what they do and post it on our social media um, handles. We also are running the Green Ribbon campaign for the seventh year um, in a row where we're asking the public this weekend from Friday to Sunday, Sunday's World Mental Health Day, to wear a touch of green. And green symbolizes respect, hope, support for those who are suffering from mental health disorders like anxiety and depression, um, and to show that we notice them and we don't stigmatize against them. Um, tomorrow, there will be a book launch by a, um, a friend. Her name is Shoba. She's written a book about self-esteem and mental health. That will be taking place at Bookzine, and um, it's open to the public. And we, myself and Shoba, will be talking about how self-esteem um, actually develops and what contributes to health, healthy self-esteem and how mental health and self-esteem correlate and relate to each other. We plan to have a talk this month as well about nutrition and lifestyle factors to treat stress, anxiety, and other mental health disorders. Um, and this will be conducted by two fabulous doctors, Dr. Vanessa Wong, who is a psychiatrist, and Dr. Lorena Law, who works with um, nutrition and lifestyle. We will also be having yoga and mindfulness um, with Hersha, who runs Yama Foundation, and she will be doing it at, at an upcoming venue called Ikigai, who have um, so kindly given us their premises complimentary to run the yoga class. Um, we will be having a guided meditation by Michelle Harris at the end of this month as well. Um, on Zoom. So some of our activities are on Zoom and some of them are in person, obviously having strict hygiene methods in place and with social distancing and masking up. And towards the end of the month, we will be having our teenage support group meeting, giving that time to youth to talk about their fears and their struggles. Um, so we have quite a lot going on and we're really encouraging the public to just pause and take a moment to do something for themselves, to give back to their mind, to their bodies, to nurture themselves, because this is what we need at this time. Absolutely. Well, Manal, it sounds like you've got a great week and, and month ahead, really, uh, for mental health awareness. It's so terrific to see you and your team working so hard to promote something so important. Um, remind our listeners once again, how can we support your charity? Um, uh, uh, can you share some of your social media with our listeners? Sure. So our website is www.ocdanxietyhk.org. And we have a range of social media tags that you can find us on. So on Facebook, we are at OCD Anxiety HK. 
at, on Instagram, we're at OCDAHK. And at Twitter, we're at OCDAnxietyHK, all in capital letters. Um, please feel free to visit our website and look under events to see our list of events. And there will be a Google form there or an RSVP detail so you can get in touch. Also, we're in the process of um, launching a counseling clinic towards the end of this year for sufferers of mental health disorders. And we are asking for donations for our charity to help fund the project and to give our generous volunteer counselors um, something for their hard work. There's a donation option on our website. So any amount would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. A, a little goes a long way. Manal, thank you so much for your sharing and I look forward to and congratulations on the clinic towards the end of the year. I, I'm sure we'll be catching up again uh, to hear all about it uh, later on as well. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank, thank you so much to Noreen and thank you so much to the listeners. Take care and speak soon. Bye for now. And that's Manal Matani, the CEO and founder of OCD and Anxiety Support Hong Kong. Thank you, Manal. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.